0: Queen Corr, Erin Sulam Gwilchevik anyway, Chan eh, a saithin, eh, <laughs> May I just say how welcome you all are? And I know that you look as if you're enjoying yourselves already, unused as you are to this great heat. But don't worry, we won't start praying for rain just yet. But it's badly needed. But Sabina and I are absolutely delighted that so many of you are able to join us this afternoon. This is Really, the seventh in a series of garden parties that celebrate different themes of, of Irish life. Today, I think uh, sustainable communities is the theme that we are celebrating, and uh, it's very it's a source of great pleasure to Sabine and I. First of all, though, the, the, as we celebrate the different garden parties, it gives us an opportunity of acknowledging and recognising and saying thank you to the different dimensions of Irish life that are made possible by voluntary activity and people caring for each other. And as I've said, today is sustainable communities. So it's an opportunity for us to say thank you to those who are creating and sustaining places of belonging and who are sharing their experience and their lives, particularly in the public world. We have some special guests. There are, I think, at the Dublin Interfaith Forum, has has 18 young people, six from Muslim beliefs, six from who are Jewish, and six Christian. And they have been brought to us here by David Abrahamson. And I just want to say a special thank you to them. They are here in Ireland to look at the Irish peace process. Uh, I'm sure I speak uh, for everybody in Ireland when I say I hope that when they go back to Jerusalem, that they bring back uh, not just a message about peace, but they bring back an enhanced capacity to build peace where it is so desperately needed. That's kids for peace. And I really want to say, not only just to the children, but to themselves, but also to those who are assisting them in any way. Now, I said that this word community is a word I used to write about in the old days. I said to myself, I remember when I used to give lectures about it, I used to say, in Irish, I used to say it's through what I meant by that, isn't it a great pity that it takes a tragedy or a death or something like that sometimes to bring communities together? But communities are about sharing, and they're about creating, if you like, we often speak about societies and the importance of them being ethical and inclusive, But if they are to be ethically inclusive, they have to come uh, from communities that are themselves ethical, not only in their structure but also in their practice. That actually puts solidarity into meaningful delivery in people's lives. And there's no doubt whatever that we have been in the midst of very great changes in recent decades that we must acknowledge. Uh, Our Irish society has experienced enormous changes, geographical mobility... But also, more and more of our people, and remember we're 40% under the age of 30, but they're experiencing long commutes. That has become a, a way of life for much of our working population. A long hours culture has become the norm in many workplaces, and indeed for some, people bring the workplace home with them. You could say, in fact, actually, that the workplace has dissolved into every aspect of their lives. Some people think this is a kind of a very modern thing, but of course it could be a very destructive thing. I think then, too, there has been the pressure on housing. Maybe it is after we are experiencing now great, some successes we emerge from a great period of economic contraction. But the one thing that challenges it all is, of course, uh, the fact that we haven't solved uh, the housing problem. So. I better not speak about government policy which I don't anymore, but I'm just simply saying whoever is the government of the day we have to address the housing problem as the one that could be the most useful in relation to our life but because of what I have just described is in fact can be destructive of community I- <clears throat> But uh, sometimes I'm asking, as this is the, final, the last in the series of, of garden parties, I've been thinking back uh, over different, how in fact communities come into being and how are they sustained. And today's theme is after all, sustaining communities. And what I think as well is that the threats community are not only about the issue I've just mentioned, but how, if you like, if you take a whole series of bad decisions that are short-term and on a narrow basis, they all add one on top of the other. And they contribute, if you like, to fact, the loss of community. As many of our rural towns have become sleepier communities. Actually, the last figures I saw showed that 70% of all the new jobs from foreign direct investment to come. They are all coming, if you like, uh, to where there are existing clusters of employment. So you have the same phenomenon, and it has two sides. Rural, de- rural depopulation is one side of it, and urban diseconomy is the other side of it. So at the same time as you see some towns and villages fading, you also see pressure on cities. They're both the same thing. What does it tell you? It tells you that planning isn't about physical things anymore. It has to be about society, and it has to be about how we want to live socially together. I'm not going to say very much more about it, but really we have seen, In so many, as we have built motorways and we have passed by towns and villages, we have seen a contraction and a loss of services, post offices, shops, banks, pubs, restaurants, health services. And I think at the same time as we've seen that, we've seen inadequately planned urban growth As I said, we have madness in relation to housing so that no one can live in a a home anymore. We have growing congestions, spiralling costs, and we're getting social fragmentation. I need to say all that because we're not just into a happy, clappy notion about, in fact, actually, that's how we speak about community. I'm really speaking about the importance of community. And we can change it all. Because none of that is inevitable at all. We can sustain community life, and there are many of you here who know all about that. For example, I know as well the new technology. Well, the new technology and the application of science can be used either positively or negatively. If it is used negatively, it is delivered as a private consumer experience, which in fact actually cuts people off from each other. If it is used socially in the other way, and like, for example, I mentioned uh, uh, as well the Ludgate Centre in Skibbereen, which is creating jobs, using the new technology, delivering it out to the community, creating capacity. Well, that's a very positive experience. And again, I people like John Field and David Putnam and Skibbereen saw that opportunity, and I'm really pleased about that. But it's a choice, again, as to whether you decide to be, as I often quoted as whether you are as a community the target or whether you're the arrow seeking to change it. And I think that what's very, very important then is something else as well. And that is, I meet people of all ages, but particularly people of more or less my own age or people who are a few decades even younger. And they would say things to me like, for example, you never meet anyone anymore... And that's another feature of our society. Is it a good thing to be able to be talking endlessly uh, when you uh, you expect in a service to be able somehow or another to meet one human being at least? Now, the elimination of face-to-face contact in the provision of services in the name of cost saving and efficiency. I just want to say that I believe it is a dangerous form of the short-term thinking that I've been talking about. And it is time it was said publicly that it's driven by exclusively profit maximisation. And I think it is, quite frankly, little less than a betrayal of community. I think that of all the philanthropic gestures in the world, all of the slickest advertising in the world cannot hide the fact that that many of the commercial services have turned their back on communities that for generations gave them their profits. I think community then, this word community, so that it is not just abused, and that's why I have had this long introduction, is that it must mean something. It means people sharing a place, sharing a sense of identity, sharing a sense of belonging, having a sense of rootedness, caring for the people who are your fellow members. And it doesn't need a tragedy to be brought together if it's looked at in that way as a positive experience of solidarity. Now, and for all that reason, it's such a great pleasure to have the opportunity of welcoming so many of the different organisations who are undertaking this agenda I've been describing, of making it happen with generosity and with commitment to shaping communities. And the wide range of the organisations present in this room here this afternoon, you represent, really, it's impressive. And it's a demonstration of the kind of generosity, social conscience, voluntarism, willingness to engage and participate among our citizens. We have groups who are helping those who are vulnerable, those who are working to care for the elderly, those who are combating discrimination and racism, people who are working for young people, enabling them to flourish and reach their potential. We have representatives of those who have been absolutely to the forefront and so often taking great stake for protecting the environment. We can no longer think, can we just think about it, that a planet that's 4.5 billion years old has been brought to the point of danger, the very survival, by practices that are 250 years old. So we have to have the courage to be meaningful about climate change and sustainable development and be willing to talk to each other about the changes that are necessary and that we must all make. And I think... There were two people here that I met earlier as I was walking around the garden who are working, for example, to the importance of the pollinators in our system, that 30% of our bees are in danger and so on. And that meant that we had to have a responsible decision about our agriculture and about hedgerows and so on. So the whole purpose of what I'm saying here is get rid of narrow-minded, short-term thinking. Think long and think sustainably. Now, I think as well as that, we have people here who have been representing culture and sporting life, people who have been making neighbourhoods safer, pleasant places to live, all sharing one thing, the importance of the public world and of public spaces. So it's within our communities and through the conversations and the greetings that they hear within us that young people encounter the concept of citizenship. And we have to consider how we engage with each other and how we speak to each other, and how we listen or don't listen. And at times, the pursuit of what I have to say, in our decision-making apparatus, in our bureaucracy, in our state, local state, but particularly in the commercial sector, sometimes what is felt to be the pursuit of efficiency comes across as a thinly veiled coldness or disconnect with what is, after all, a human interaction. People would say, for God's sake, speak normally to me, And then for young people, the early experience of community life, of inhabiting in conditions of change a space that is shared with others, of achieving self-fulfillment and flourishing in the shadow of each other, that that is so important. This notion that we are being told tacitly by those, sometimes through technology as well, that you must advance through a radical withdrawal from concern for anybody else but yourself. This is dangerous old nonsense. So therefore, on this day when we're celebrating sustainable community, it's important that we set it clearly. Let's defend the public world and public spaces and the right of people to experience each other through all the different things that are available that you saw this afternoon in music and the environment and nature and whatever. And I think is necessary as well, isn't it, all of this will enable us to confront and challenge the obstacles that are there to equality. I think that one of the most enjoyable experiences that Spain and I have had since I became President of Ireland six and a half years ago is that when we go to c- communities, and you see everyone out, let us take for example, we take the, when people win the Tidy Town Awards, and they all, they're all out of all ages. And people, you have the few brave people who set up the committee in the first place. And then you have the youngsters who are given different tasks. And that reminds us of something that we don't actually say that is so important in Ireland. We don't have intergenerational tension. All around Ireland, when I have been meeting people, older people say to me, we want a better Ireland for young people. That's, they speak to me, older people, about the housing problem and about people being condemned to these, these crazy rents for, for, for very small pieces of accommodation. And yo- old, young people say to me, when I speak to them, that they're concerned that older people uh, will, in fact, have a dignified life in the public space and in the way that they're treated. And that's a huge resource intergenerational solidarity. And that's a powerful, powerful gift to be able to bring to the public space and the public world. But all of this as well. I've said that we have a generation that is very young. We also have one that I know from my conversations with them are taking sustainable development seriously. They do want to hand on the planet in a better place than it was. And they also think as well as that. If generation after generation has failed to solve global poverty and hunger and communicable diseases, all of the things that science is there and could solve, because we haven't had the way we teach our subjects, the way we think about the world, the way we realise that all of us should share this vulnerable planet together, all of it can in fact be changed. There is nothing inevitable and there is no such thing as all of our countries and the different countries in the European Union being some kind of human attachment to a a kind of a fiscal determinism. This is nonsense when Galileo challenged people who said that, that the world was flat. It's the same kind of thinking that says there is no other alternative but the way that we are and we must keep adjusting ourselves to the market or whatever. It is a dangerous, dangerous nonsense. And therefore in the communities what you're doing is from the morning till night you're saying to people we're living together and we can live better together when we care for each other. And it's the same thing in relation to not just for villages and cities and in Ireland, it's the same thing about countries. So I want to thank you for all the profound and valuable contribution you make to your communities and to your society. And I want to thank you for listening to my homily about the importance of it. But to be quite frank with you, you know what young people say to me, and people of all ages say to me. The biggest issue now is that that people aren't authentic about anything. You have to mean what you say. And you I want to thank you for putting into effect what it means to be a community. Mir bleiukas auf semeter da Schweiz in Marcoot ne line wie glä, das mit denen g'zogge g'horte kostmidentercha. Is ets anata falekak. Now today we're moving on out of the celebration and we're absolutely blessed of having a, a banati den sko blanetni coffee, kavil shisha so there to picture. <laughs> and each of you, those, those who have been playing for us, Mary Kelly, then Aaron Cripp, the Ballingeri Pipe Band, Mela and please convey to Pandora Reda my special thanks, Bwekas Muras and Pisa, special to come to them here. Column and Rory August 18, Iwaki, then Piper, Mark Redmond, Rebecca and Katrina Atkinson on Viola and Cello, to down and the to guard you've been hearing them. The People's College Choir, and the People's College, 80 years old. And, and, that's, no, 70, 1948. And then John Keneally and the Swing Cats. And we're only getting cold. And all of this has been brought through to the superb technical competence of D. Rogers and his crew. There he is over there. And I want to thank our friends in John of God, the St. John of God's, who assist us with the programmes, to the Gardaí and our civil defence colleagues, and the tour guides from Gashka, and indeed, particularly, I want to say, as I'm coming towards it all now, I was looking out this morning, and there you have the people from the OPW concerned, in fact, that with the heavy drought we have, that the place would look well. But particularly, then, so that all of you would be entertained adequately. The staff of the ORAS, who now are bilingual, they've been taking Irish classes. So please feel free to speak to them in the language of your choice, as long as it is polite. I want to really say really thank you to all of them who make this, this afternoon possible. Arish I so want to say that I hope you continue to have a very enjoyable visit to the home of the President of Ireland to Oris and Oakthorn Thorn, Burbank thank you.